0: Welcome to the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have been away for far longer than I intended to be. There are a lot of reasons, and I'm going to make a bunch of excuses too. Uh, Finished the album. My Dreamscape album actually is uh, coming out on Bandcamp tomorrow. Uh, Had some issues with my distributor. Not sure that I'm going to continue to release new things with them. I'm looking at some other options, but uh, just kind of at the point where I've had it with their service, um, maybe it's time to move on. So for now, the album will be available on my Bandcamp site. That uh, That link will be in the show notes. And uh, I'm really excited about it. It took uh, It took a while to get things together ran into some unexpected problems, but I was able to work through those. Then it just came down to the mixing and remixing and overthinking and mixing again to go back to the original mix that I had for the m- most part. And I did a whole video series on uh, the songs. called it Behind the Song. There's a different video for each song on the album available on my YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, kind of had fun with it. It was nice to delve back into these songs. Some of these uh, are some of the earliest instrumentals I ever wrote going back to 1995. And uh, that was around the time I got my first Korg sequencer. I had an X3, which was a 61 note, 16 track sequencer. And uh, working with that and a four track that I bought from my friend Doug. And that's how I used to make music back then. Actually, I started with a Casio and uh, just did everything live and had to remember all of it. Uh, and now uh, then I bought the sequencer and started working on that, which expanded the quality of the sounds as well as the vast number of sounds I had. I think with the Casio, I had like 16 sounds or something like that and got into uh, hundreds with the, the sequencer. Uh, but that's that was all in the beginning. And so uh, each video talks about the song, how it came to be, and uh, it was it was really fun strolling down some of those memories. So here's the the plan is working so far. I plan to release one new album and one old album every year until I've caught up with all the older albums. If I can get a third album done in the middle of that, great. But I don't want to be away from the podcast too long. It's really tough to juggle all of these projects. And then I might get a work for hire that I have to do or want to do. So, uh, you know, it's really tough to balance everything. So in working on the album, I tried to schedule some interviews, but the interviews kind of fell through. The timing wasn't good. So I just kept going back to, okay, maybe I can do it this week. Okay. This week I should be able to do it. And then my guest would back out. So it's uh it's been a bumpy ride while I've been away working on the album, but now I've got a guest and I have a guest lined up for next week, which is awesome. And uh, my other guests that I've been, been working with, uh, that their projects have, are continually delayed due to COVID. I'm not sure how long they're going to continue to be delayed because if we're not looking at doing concerts until at least January, possibly spring of 2021, I don't think they're going to hold their albums back that long. So uh, hopefully some of those projects will come through as well and we'll get those folks on the show. I've been in touch with their media people and uh, things are looking good on those fronts. So uh, that's all pretty exciting. And uh, so the album's coming out. I'm excited about that. I've already got the concept for my next album. Thanks to my wonderful graphic artist, Kelly at Outside OutsideTheBox.photo. She does all my album covers. Love the cover she did for Dreamscape. Uh, the person that does my lettering is Rebecca Poole at Dreamstomedia.com. And she does just a, a beautiful job with the fonts and the placement and the coloring. There's so much that goes into that. And uh, I'm so grateful to get the chance to work with both of them on, on these projects. And so, uh, Kelly had sent me a photo that I thought, wow, this, I've been waiting to do a project. It was one I wanted to do, but I just, I, I just didn't find the right, like, maybe I should do it now. Maybe this isn't the right time. Uh, she sent me the photo. I'm like, all right, I'm pulling the trigger. That's the next album. So that album, um, I will be working on starting in another week or so. Uh, I'm just finishing up some upgrades to the computer, which is part of the reason that I had to be careful of how I scheduled my interviews because the computer had to be offline for a good amount of time doing these upgrades. But uh, I'm almost done. I actually just have to install one more drive, back up another drive, and, uh, and that's it. So I've upgraded all the storage and rearranged things and done backups of everything because I'm ridiculously anal like that. I don't want to lose anything I've worked on or anything that anyone else has worked on with me. And uh, I'm a bit of an archivist when it comes to that. My my roommate in Denver, the one that suggested I buy a sequencer in the first place, calls me an archivist and he's absolutely right. I'm I'm very ridiculous about my redundancy and backups. Uh, but I, I learned having lost a track in a session one time to uh, just, it's better to be ridiculous. And storage is not that expensive these days it's uh very affordable, not like it used to be. So, uh, so that's all going on here. I think, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, I did a, uh, a video series on how I do my podcast. That is on my YouTube channel as well. Uh, I made a playlist of those videos. So I've got that one. I've got the one for the dreamscape album. I, I did a new opener for YouTube and I think, I think that's all the videos I've done. I'm I'm trying to get more comfortable in front of the camera. I don't like looking at myself. So it's, it's hard to, you know, piece those videos together or even want to film them knowing that I'm going to have to look at myself on camera. So it's, uh, it's something that I struggle with, but I, you know, you got to do it in, in today's age. Video is very important. So, uh, I I'm doing video and, uh, it's weird. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but you know, I love, loved music videos. I'm definitely a, a child of MTV, but I also feel like music is audio and it shouldn't be told visually. You should be able to visualize your own story. And that's a lot of what the songs on dreamscape are about is visualizing your own story. So I, I don't know. I I love music videos, but I also love the idea of music just being audio. Even when I go to a concert, you're not seeing the story. You're just watching the band play. So that's different. But I mean, to have like a, a story play out like a movie I don't know. I, I'm not so sure I'm a fan of that. But then when I think of a song like Dirty Creature by Split Ends from the 80s, like the video is so cool for that. How do you not want to see the video when you listen to the song? So I don't know. If you guys have an opinion on that, I'd love to hear it. You can write me at scott at scotthaskin.com. I would also love if you left a rating for me on whatever your Podbean listening device of choice is. Uh, iTunes is a a great place to leave reviews that uh, I get a lot of listens off of iTunes. It's probably my number one uh, place that people listen to me on. So uh, that would be the best place to leave a review. But, you know, anywhere that you have something to say is a great place to say it. So hopefully I'll be able to see it. And uh, I can appreciate whatever you had to say, whether you love it, whether you hate it. But if you hate it, why are you listening? That doesn't even make sense. So go figure. Anyway, my guest today, I'm so excited that we were able to uh, schedule again, because if you guys remember, episode 99 featured my friend and fellow film composer, Kevin Tai. And we had to cut our time short because we were having some technical issues trying to overthink the technology. So I thought... As I was listening back to that episode today, because I wanted to make sure I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't redundant in in my questions, I was re amused with how uh, we were talking about the technical problems that we had trying to do this whole, you know, video thing and whatever. So uh, I messaged Kevin and I, you know, I said, "Hey, I'm, I'm good to call you in five minutes," and he's like, "Yeah, that'd be perfect." So I call him, then he's got the video going. I'm like, oh, here we go. (laughs) Exactly what we had before. And we had some technical problems, but we actually worked through it. Uh, We only got caught uh, with Zoom freezing up one time, which was very nice. And uh, it was a a great time. Great to catch up with Kevin. He's working on a Western right now. It's something that's very out of his element, the score that he's doing. So it's really interesting to see people uh, pushing their, their limits, pushing their abilities, expanding into new horizons, because you never know what kind of things that might inspire you to create. And Kevin's doing a great job. Um, the, the music on the trailer is fantastic. The, that link is in the show notes. And uh, I definitely wish him and the crew uh, great success on this film. So instead of me telling you about Kevin, let's just talk to Kevin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome back my guest that we had to cut too short because we were too busy trying to be better than the system and it didn't go well. Kevin Ty, Kevin, how are you?
1: (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. I would try and lay the sound effects in of the applause, but we've had so many technical issues again that plagued us. There you go. That was great. That was really good. I
0: can do the sound of a distant crowd that also might sound like the
1: sea. (laughs) I I think... Yeah, I, there's uh it's like the dress. I couldn't tell what that was. That could have been the ocean for know. <laughs> so how you been, man? Been doing good,
0: man. So since since we last talked, I moved, you completely destroyed your studio and are rebuilding yeah, it. It's a like a rage. whole different thing.
1: Yeah, um I I don't know if you can call it a thing. Uh, right now it's if <laughs> I guess a construction site is a thing, isn't it? So yeah, you can. But yeah, it's been um it's been a busy couple of months I think when I talked to you. We've um we decided during the, the lockdown, because we weren't getting much foot traffic on the initial kind of lockdowns here in Arizona, that, hey, what a great opportunity to start knocking walls down and ceilings out and padding it and redoing all the, all of the acoustics and all that stuff. And then, you know, halfway through, all my con- contractors would start leaving for bigger jobs because there's the massive construction boom right now in the southwest. Yeah. So they all left to go build houses and my studio's sort of left where it is um so it doesn't look like a studio it looks like a, a basement which is where it's located is funnily <laughs> enough but yeah so we're having fun um it, it actually to be honest it gives me more time to why i haven't f- you know finished it it gives me a good opportunity to see what i really want to do with the space like I, I spent a good couple of weeks just with my speaker placement and i've never really spent time doing that and actually it People tell you to do that, but it really helps. i I think I've found the sweet spot, which I've never had before. So oh, good. It, it's worth taking time, I think.
0: And it, and that's going to change a little bit too, as you put the diffusers in, because the where it soaks up is going to change a little bit the way that the speaker sounds. So you may have to adjust a yeah. little bit, but maybe you can put those diffusers in based on your speaker your current speaker placement
1: precisely and and i know you and i as we're recording this just so uh, people know that we're, we're on a zoom session so we can actually see each other as yes. well yes um, <clears throat> so scott's looking at my derelict studio <laughs> in the background and all, all it's just it looks horrible there's paint swatches on the back there's bare walls with insulation that uh, shouldn't probably be uncovered uh but it's it's okay they it can be but you know the door's not on properly and just everything's just not set up at all it's kind of like what i would
0: have pictured frank zappa's studio to look like where it like yeah. nothing was really finished and it was just kind of haphazard
1: yeah exactly and it, but again it's given me that time to to sit and instead of rushing the finishes which is what we're really waiting on right now. We're not waiting on the, con- the, you know, the main, well, the door, I guess, is probably pretty important, isn't it? Eh. But other than the door and a window, hey, <laughs> who know, Who needs that in the studio anyway? But yeah, it, it's given me a chance to really sit down and say, okay, do I really want red fa- red fabric on that wall as well as above me and on the back wall? And and what kind of stone finish do I want on my diffuser wall in the front of me? That You know, it's given me that little bit of time to, to think a bit more about what I want this, again, space to be.
0: I like that, and my whole thing is I forgot to move the TV out of the way of the background before I, I did the call with you because I didn't know we were doing video. Otherwise, I would have moved it. And I'm like, that's the biggest thing I have to be concerned about right now.
1: Yeah what, what what's on the what's on the TV?
0: Oh, uh, nothing actually. It's uh, that's where I do my We Fit workout.
1: Hey, okay, good, yeah. good. I was going to ask how you're keeping fit. Uh, yeah, so the ceiling. You can see the ceiling. Yeah, it looks very low, doesn't it? It's actually it quite high. Okay, is it is it finished though? It's it's fit. No, the gaping great hole at the back there, you see, will oh. insulate the fact it's not <laughs> Didn't finished. Even notice that, but yeah, it's um, it's it's absolutely in terms of the soundproofing, it's ninety five percent there. Okay, we've got to kind of close this out. but yeah, we we built a ceiling within a ceiling, or sorry, a room within a room. So what that meant is, we stripped all of the. Again, I think I tried to go down this road on the last podcast. And I don't want to bore anyone, but we tore out all of the drywall and um, essentially from the joists that hold the drywall. And then we built new joists in the middle to kind of float the floor or the ceiling down a little bit. So it's off the original joists. So the transmission of sound, the foot traffic specifically, could not penetrate as easily with because the joists aren't connected. Oh, so, okay. so, yeah, it's like a, de- a decoupled wall, you know, you, where you've got a staggered wall, I think they call it, where one side doesn't actually physically touch the other one. So that's designed to my biggest problem in a basement studio um, is transmission of sound. And you can't stop it unless you have massively expensive options that, frankly, no sane person would ever <laughs> think of doing, except for I went ahead and did it so but it's been worth it i think
0: i think that's why most studios are built to be studios as as opposed to converting them there's only so much that you can do with with something that's pre-existing especially in a basement because you're just stuck with whatever's there you can't build around anything you can't go further to the side you're you're just where you are
1: yeah you're very limited in what you can do um unless again you get really really freaky with a sledgehammer and uh and a bunch of drywall <laughs> and wood, which is what <laughs> which we. Which I
0: also could see you doing on a Saturday. Yeah, just, I, you know. I mean,
1: I look. I I spend so much time in here creating, but then I also spend so much time in here redesigning it, and I do it all the time. It's it's another way of kind of changing the, like on a project, I'll like to change things, um, colors or pictures on the wall or whatever it is. You know, I'm doing a western right now, which we can talk about. But I wanted to have some kind of western theme stuff in here, but I didn't obviously. It's not ready to do that yet. But if let's say I do a sci-fi in the future, maybe I'll buy one of those star globes and put it in the corner. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and kind of, you know, that kind of stuff, it it sounds really cheesy, but I find it really helps. Setting the mood.
0: You could uh, could bring in some dirt and some old creaky wood and, you know, just make yourself a little... What uh, do you mean bring in? That's
1: what the studio is. (laughs) Dirt and creaky wood. That's basically what it looks like right now.
0: Well, let me ask you. So since you're not in a finished environment and obviously that's weighing on you a little bit, you know, you, you want it to be done. How is that affecting your work on this score? Because you're obviously very focused on getting the score done, but that's gotta be, you know, it's it's gotta be weighing on you a little
1: bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I wanted it finished because I, you know, there's musicians that are coming in here to record. Mm -hmm. I've had to delay that because the acoustics just aren't there yet to have a, you know, I've got some flutter echo at points where it, it's going to catch it and all this kind of acoustic noise that I can I can get rid of but I need to have panels built but in order to build the panels I have to have the ceiling painted in order before the ceiling gets painted I have to finish the wall with the bri- it's you know it's all a knock-on effect so um, I um, it, it has impacted it uh, although surprisingly most of it's been in the box writing anyway like I could be the more time that goes by the more i'm like i could literally be with a laptop on a beach and i could probably write this cue on the beach like Mm -hmm. i could i'm at that point where i i literally all all i have now when i got rid of all my equipment to pack it away before the demo i really thought long and hard about what am i keeping am i going to put anything back in the studio and i had this really elaborate desk that had all this kind of rack equipment i don't really have you know, I'm not planning on buying any more rack equipment. I'm more and more and more in the box these days. And I felt like, you know, I I don't need to put anything much back in here. So finding I've got literally a mouse, a keyboard, my controller keyboard, and an interface is really all you need. And I and, and I can do most of the cue writing. In fact, that's all I used. I didn't use any synths. All my external synths are plugged away. And in reality, this synths aren't really a western thing at least yeah. i'm trying to keep it more traditional so um but yeah the you know we've been using uh, oh man some amazing like stuff um from just uh soft synths, like the romplers and stuff that the good ones not the old kind of terrible ones but the real good ones and they've been amazing like see, honestly it got to a point where i had a guitar i had a violinist play in a piece and then paid him for the piece and realized it actually wasn't as good as the mock-up I'd done with the Spitfire stuff. Wow. So I so I, I ended up kind of... Th- and that doesn't work all the time. And obviously, maybe just the recording wasn't good. But all that's st- what I'm getting to in a long ways, it's, it can all be in the box now. So really, I mean, the studio for me has to be a, a place of creation. And no one wants to create in a building like this. So it's important I get it finished. And that will then allow me to, you know, get the score. It, it won't... St- Stop me finishing the score. That's what I guess I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. uh, because everything's in the box anyway. Um, I'm not worried about the violinist that's going to record in the middle of the room anyway, because I'm close miking her. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to have a massive effect, but I just want to get it finished.
0: Well, I think there's the psychological factor of, you know, you're working, you're in that room, and, it, and while you're working, your mind goes to, okay, but what am I going to put on that wall? Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Wait a minute! I am working on a score here, <laughs> you know, because you want to get it done so bad. I could see that being a distraction.
1: It's hugely distracting. I mean, that you, you, what you just said right then is probably the number other than going to the fridge for food. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the the number one thing that stops me from you know getting on with work is watching videos on YouTube about studio builds. You know, and, th- and that kind of thing on maybe someone's done something somewhere where I'm like, oh, I could change the design because I'm at the level, you know, I haven't finished the thing. Like the analogy I'll give is if you're building a PC and then you're waiting on components, because maybe Intel are going to announce the next chip, and so you wait, and then six months later, you're ready to buy, but yet in three months they're gonna release another chip. That your system is never built because you're constantly waiting for the next thing. So at some point, I have to just decide on what color that baffle is going to be. I have to figure out, you know, how what color wood is going to go on for the diffusion. I have to make those choices and just finish it, but mm-hmm. I'm scared to because I don't want to in two years end up tearing it all out again because I rushed it. That that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: I I get that, but don't you think we can kind of do that with everything? I mean, I think on the last the last time you were on the show, we talked about. When do you call a piece done? Because as writers, we can just keep writing and layering and removing and adding. And we could do that all day long. But yeah. at some point, you have to call it done. I think we we as humans, were so busy about or so worried about making everything perfect that we tend to just not do anything or not accomplish anything. At some point, you just got to go, this is it. I'm making this choice. I'll give it five years. If I don't like it, I'll redo it or I'll paint it or, or whatever. Um, allow yourself a little flexibility, but otherwise, you're always going to be in this state of okay. What should I do with that?
1: Yep, I agree. And and any, you said it right. Anything in life is the same way. You know, you when the studio sense is, do I, you know, do I just get it done in um, music sense in movies, for example? Mm-hmm. If you're an editor on a movie, are you quite happy with the scene? Everything is. You have to be organized. And I don't think anyone. I I do see on YouTube some of those music personalities sharing some of their kind of tips and tricks. Like Christian Henson, I follow a lot. Um, Any composers out there, he's the guy from Spitfire. Amazing, interesting YouTube channel that just kind of goes into a lot of really cool information. But he's a really good taskmaster, and he's way more organized than I ever will be. And, And that organization, I think, doesn't do me much service because that makes me procrastinate. And so... And, and so that procrastination may be I didn't finish my studio or I'm not going to finish this queue until I get something else on it and I sit on it and I never actually get that something else on it and it forever sits on my hard drive, you know, and it doesn't come out. So it's important to make deadlines, I think, is what I'm driving here. And yeah. I'm very bad at it, evidently, but <laughs> I think it's something that we should all have you know
0: i think the difference is is that you're you're bad at meeting deadlines for yourself that aren't make or break but if you're doing a film score if you have to be up three days in a row you're gonna get that film done
1: yeah i mean that's it's kind of contentious right now with the project i'm doing because the 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 post-production phase of this um should never be shorter than the shooting phase on you know in terms of the cinematography phase Mm -hmm. um so in other words if you're if you spend two weeks on set shooting a movie your post-production phase should not be anything less than that in fact it should be two or three times that time right well we have a very aggressive turnaround time on this project which we knew about we knew that there's momentum that wants we want to carry us into you know, look, there's, there's companies chomping at the bit to just get their content created. Some companies are finding ways to make content. So everyone's trying to satisfy the the appetite for, for the lack of content that we have out there right now. So but content creators are frantically trying to create that content because people are willing to consume it right now. They're bored. They've seen all the shows, they've seen all the, the Netflix documentaries or whatever it is. So I think people are just really clambering for content and we have a really good piece of content that we want to get out the door as quickly as possible but it has to be and this comes back to the when is it done and so this is an interesting one because i fear that if you rush a project the sorry with a project yes you can procrastinate and it takes longer but you can also it can also be underdone and you can rush it and actually Wish that you'd spent more time on it and wish you'd delayed it more because things, for whatever reason, things change. You may have an idea for a queue that you had, you don't have anymore because you had to deliver the film a week ago. You know, so it's, it's a balance of trying to like, hey, we've got to get this done. We have to finish this stuff, but we don't want to just churn stuff out that's not any good. That, that's yeah. Point.
0: And the funny thing is, I get what you mean about momentum, but it's like this lockdown as we're looking at it right now is not going to be ending anytime soon. They're not even right. looking at booking concerts until at least January of 2021. And most of them are saying mm-hmm. spring before we're going to start having shows again. So it's like yep. people are going to be watching the content. So unless you have a contract that says, if you don't give it to us by this date, we're going to drop it hold it back a couple of weeks if it's going to be that much better for it do you want to rush crap out or do you want to hold it back a little bit and give something that's that people are going to go wow i like the film these people made i want to see what they do next
1: yeah exactly and no one wants to to. Uh, and you know luckily the people i work with they recognize that we should absolutely not rush it but they're very key to draw you know to to make sure that if we're not keeping one eye on the momentum that momentum drags very quickly as we've seen i think unfortunately a lot of the the, the producers i'm working with have seen multiple projects that they've been involved in never see the light of day like we talked about last time i mean there's projects that i wish i you know wish came would come out because there's great work that people did some amazing things and for whatever reason it's not out Mm -hmm. and it's frustrating and so they don't want that to fall into the same trap. So I get it. I do get it. But life's about managing expectations. You it know? is.
0: That's, that's very true. And and I feel that because I've worked on a couple of projects that were, in my opinion, some of my best work as a film composer that no one will ever see. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in some cases, filmmakers or people involved have passed away. Others are just like, yeah, I'm just not ready to show that yet. They've
1: moved on, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's so frustrating.
1: I, I reserve the right now. To any, I think we touched upon this last time, but we'll go over it again. It's been a while. I, when I get hired for a project, I retain 100% rights to that music. Mm-hmm. Period. I won't, unless I get a, a very generous buyout offer for music, which I have. I've I've worked for hire. I will retain the ownership to that music because look, if if I work hard on a track or, or a movie or whatever it is and it doesn't come out and the track record is not good um, unfortunately for me then hey I own the rights to the music I'll go sell it I'll use them as production music I will do something else with that music where it, that is not tied up with some awful production sob story from the producers on why their movie is not currently out on Amazon Prime um, which is what the promise was so that that for me is a learning curve that I i now forcibly do in all of my agreements and if there's a project that um you know it makes it more cheaper for clients to go and go the production music route instead of hiring me then fine that that's okay um but you know you know what you get with with uh with a custom piece of music you can tailor it still it's you know it's not like i won't work with a director or the producer on the spec and the brief and and mold it to what they need but i will ultimately retain the rights to it in case things happen and they get you know exclusive use of it for for the production and that kind of thing so it's amicable everyone's happy with it it's cheaper Mm -hmm. than than buying the music but it just makes it it's a little bit of safety net for everyone involved i think
0: and i would imagine if it was something that by some twist of fate did get picked up by amazon prime or netflix obviously you're going to say okay well now that these circumstances have changed. Now we need to renegotiate the music. I do have 100% of the rights, but Netflix isn't going to accept it without the music. So now we have to talk. I mean, obviously you're open to that possibility.
1: Yep. I mean, we're we're in a gig economy. So really, I mean, there's some agreements I've made for, for the... And when I say gig economy, it's the fivers. It's the Um, you know, sites like that where you can go and find a cellist in Czechoslovakia. Sorry, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) Um, I am good at geography, I promise. Um, But yeah, and you can go and get it for $60, you know, and they can do a piece for you quickly. And the agreement is, you know, you can use it for whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So in a gig economy, it's important to be very flexible with, with compensation in many forms. Some of the work in my studio was a trade in services for work i'd done um on on a project Mm -hmm. and and that was amicable it made sense to do it that way so in this time of kind of you you know unknowns you need to be the most flexible you can with with remuneration in i.e how you're paid because sometimes there'll be cash sometimes there'll be back end points sometimes it's a, a bit of both sometimes it's um i'm going to you know do your electricity or your electrics or whatever it is or your floor in in trade for whatever it is mm-hmm.
0: yeah and, and obviously hoping that they're licensed or or really good at that
1: <laughs> that's usually helpful um yeah <laughs> yep, for sure bit.
0: Uh, but but it is it is tough because we really don't know what to expect. I mean, because so few projects are being created right now. I mean, they're trying to work around things as best as possible. But because there's a limited number of projects, that limits the amount of work that comes your way, which limits the amount of income that you have to do things like finish your project uh, You know, in in your studio. It's such a, a whirlwind effect. And I'm yep. really hoping that they're going to start finding some ways around it. I know they're, they're starting to shoot again. But they're very very yeah. restricted
1: They're they're in, incredibly restricted and I'll tell you that um some of the big productions that the the, the pr- production I'm involved in is a sag production mm-hmm. and we have delays because they have to adhere to the new rules and so we're not allowed to shoot certain things uh, which luckily for you know for me has given me a rest a respite from finishing certain things cuz I know that we've still got to shoot Stuff when when the screen act, screen actors guild allows, um, you know their actors to to be on sets again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, there's I mean it content's coming. There'll be a wave of content, and I think like I said, people want to be poised for that consumption of that content. People are hungry for new things and and new exciting things, and I think one of the benefits of a lack of content is maybe made people see what else is out there and realize what's really good and what's really not. And and and, at, and certainly it's given an opportunity for things that wouldn't have been seen had they not been stuck inside their house for three months, like Tiger King. Tiger King was was kind of one of those shows where it probably would have found an audience, but would it have found such a following and such an audience had it not been for the fact that there were so many people bored out of their minds and they wanted to watch something that they hadn't seen before.
0: Right. That and the fact that so many series that we were waiting to see, like Haunting of Hill House or Stranger mm-hmm. Things, are not going to be coming out on time. So now right. there's those binges aren't going to happen for a while. So now there's like, OK, well, I'll just see what else is it. Maybe I'll give this a chance. And, exactly. And you'll, you'll, okay. like, I found a weird rash of uh, movies on Netflix that seem to be completely overdubbed and
1: yeah, fairly yeah, well
0: that. they they look fairly good if you're if you're following the sync
1: there's there a ton of asian like indian um chinese films out there that are, from a production standpoint look very good yeah um stories are a little bit different cuz they're obviously for those markets but i mean a redubbing session you you think about that you know you know that if you're in india and you're a producer and you've got a, a library of 15 movies that you've shot over the last 10 years that are primarily for indian audiences um, but then you think, well, I could each one of these movies for, for $20,000, I could completely redub in English mm-hmm. um, and get a deal to put it on Amazon Prime. And I might make that money back three or four times. I mean, it's, wor- it's a worthy investment. So yeah, there's a lot of, I've, I have noticed the same thing. A lot of these kind of shows, you're like, wow, that, was that really, did that really get made this summer? But what they are is they're repackaged movies from four or five years ago that were not for this audience, you know, in the U.S. domestically, but have been repackaged, so they are.
0: It's just, at first, it was kind of a a little unsettling because, you know, you and I, we do ADR, we do those kind of sessions. And so when you see it and it's not exactly perfect, once you know what's happening, once you know that that's a dubbed voice, it's kind of hard to watch the rest of the movie. And uh, it usually takes me like a good, at least half of the movie to get past that, and then I can enjoy the ending.
1: Yeah, my wife hates watching any Marvel movies with me because you know the Marvel movies pretty much is all dubbed yeah. you know, especially the exterior scenes. Um Lord of the Rings, the entire the entire Hobbit prequel series was ADR. Really? Uh the Lord of the Rings, yeah, like uh, Star Wars, I think a lot of Star Wars was ADR at least the prequels or whatever. There's there's a lot of ADR that goes on. Some of it's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I'm with you. I was doing a session um the other day with the actor and um he's luckily he's very good with adr so he's he knows that you're supposed to you know basically recreate what you're doing um and as much as you can Mm -hmm. um, because that informs how your you know your diaphragm might have been on that line if you're if you're like on a horse you're holding yourself in the saddle then your lines come out differently than if you were um standing or sitting in a chair so it's funny watching an actor in the booth sometimes i'll do it out here in the control room, but again, with it not being fully acoustically sound, um, I'm doing a lot of it in the in the in the booth here. But it's funny watching actors that know how to do ADR and they're like they're on a horse, so they're actually like, moving around, like you know, or they're lifting something, so they're moving their face like this and they're making it, you know. So it's it's good to see that, but then you get actors that have never done it, <laughs> and they're they're just very stoic. They're standing there, and there's a fight scene, so they're like ah. Oh, oh you know it's like no you gotta move with it you got to... it's brilliant i love it it's one one of my favorite jobs actually adr
0: oh it's fun uh, one of my favorite things is like when when somebody's doing a jogging scene and you can tell it's adr because they're not breathing heavy they're not you know they're right? not doing it yeah. doesn't match at all and they they add in the breathing sounds but the yeah. voice doesn't work properly with what you're seeing and it just it just yeah. drives me crazy
1: it looks yeah it's bad adr is for me it's it's more entertaining than the film itself in most cases so i'll just sit there and 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 look for the bad dubbing but i have i have it's so funny so obviously the adr process is world renowned you get usually a beep a series of beeps and then you go on the third one or the fourth one whatever they i can't remember the name now how, what it's called but my with logic so i use logic um logic's adr for me is just basically looping the audio but I'll loop it to a point where it's almost um AS AMR or ASMR ASMR yeah. they call it mm-hmm. ASMR where you're it's almost you're going into a trance because you're replicating the words. I've built whole sentences out of almost two or three words at a time mm-hmm. with this approach and I don't even need software usually to sync it. It's usually almost perfect without the need, but then I'll use something like um uh what's that soft what's that software it's called um synchro arts uh, vocal line oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, i use vocal line just to help put it into the pocket you know um for the last 10 15 but yeah most of the time it's it's a really once you get the actor used to it um it's fun i love adr yeah
0: it is a pretty cool thing it's hard to do i i find uh being the artist very difficult because i yeah, it, i agree i'm a drummer and i can't get the timing of dialogue right
1: it's, uh, it seems to be... It seems really easy, right? But it's all about being... If you're a good mimic... Like, a, some actors are really good mimics. You know, they've got good range because they can... Like Tom Hardy or whoever, they're, they're very good at mimicking different people. So something like ADR is easy because you're already halfway there with your ability to mimic. But if mm. you're not that kind of actor, um, I find... Like, I'm not that kind of actor when I when I act. And I I'm very... I'm very bad at it for that reason. I'm not good at kind of emulating what I do, even though I tell the when I'm the engineer on the other side of the class, I'm really good at telling them what they have to do, but I can't follow my own advice. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much the same way. There's a reason I'm not an actor. But in this Western, yeah, yeah. Now I've seen the trailer and the cinematography is fantastic. The the shoot is fantastic. I love the music you did for the trailer. But is it is it challenging because you're an actor in this too and you're scoring scenes that you're watching yourself in that seems like it would be weird to me.
1: It is weird because I hate watching myself um but not for that reason I, that's a different thing. Um I it's weird because I don't want it to suck. So I I tr- I, I I will admit it. I, I will spend more time on the scenes that I'm in, if I'm in a production, because, you know, I do, I act as well. So obviously there's some productions where I'm doing the music as well or the sound, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, generally speaking, I, do, I want it to be a really cool scene. Like there's a scene in the movie that I'm working on right now where one of the lead actors is is boxing. So if you think about the Sherlock movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. doing that boxing, you know, it's, it's very stylized very much like that and the music is kind of similar as well. I wanted that kind of uh Irish jig type folk folky type feel to it. But I'm in the scene as well. So I'm like, oh, I just it just doesn't it works, but it I was like the theme I came up with for the main character doesn't suit the character I play so I have I can't ch- I can't use it there. So so I spent a long time figuring out like what I wanted to do. Um and and then I ended up making it work where I, I had the theme playing on a different part of the thing, but it was interwoven into some kind of weird thing that suited the character I was playing. But yeah. Anyway, long story short, not to get too deep into that particular part, but it's um it's definitely harder because I'll I will want it to not suck as much as the other stuff I'm doing.
0: <laughs> well, I can certainly appreciate that, but uh, yeah. this this kind of music is something that you really haven't. You, I I've never heard you no. do Irish music before.
1: No, I've never, I mean, that's the challenge, right? It's, I'm, I'm, my background is electronic music. I was a, I'm a EDM, if you want to call it the more modern term, but dance music was what I grew up on. Electronic dance music um, from the nineties specifically, but you know, eighties as well, like new wave. So to do a score that's like, everything's sampled instruments. There's no synthesized stuff other than maybe a few bass notes here and there and a few stinger sound effects for kind of good measure in certain places i've never done one and i you know i can't play an instrument i can't play a piano i obviously i can you know from ear but i'm not a gifted musician in the sense of picking up a guitar and playing it i that's i do everything by ear and it takes me longer because if i knew how to play a guitar maybe it wouldn't take me 20 minutes to do something cuz I'd know how to do it on a guitar same with a piano but you know what it makes me write differently as a result I find anyway so I find myself emulating a certain style but then I have my own style with it and I probably have repetitions more so than someone that was more classically trained but it doesn't matter cause music in a film is is about is about underscoring what's going on on the screen you shouldn't ever overpower it unless it's a you know a chase or something Right. And we've got those, we've got those score. We've got those cues in this film. That's what I'm, I'm really proud of the work I've done so far. And I'm hoping that, you know, people who watch it will, will actually say, you know what, this is, this was decent. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to you know win, win awards with it. Certainly be nice, but we're just trying to say, wow, this is a, this is a good for a Western. And there are a bunch on Netflix and Amazon prime. Most of them are just not very good. This one was good. Um, So, I hope the score adds to that and kind of, and that's the goal is to the score needs to enhance what's going on on screen. And to do the Irish stuff, it, for me, that's why I wanted to do the score. It's a challenge. It, it was like, I've never done this before. Again, I've just stated I can't play an instrument. So nothing's natural to me. Everything is from a new perspective. And and that's kind of exciting. Like I, I would love to do more of these type of movies. Like if I could do a Viking film now, knowing mm. the sounds I can get out of these things, I mean, I could do a medieval, like I'm very much looking forward to exploring more of these organic things. It sounds weird that I've been so close-minded with electronics and I haven't had a chance to expand with all these stringed instruments, you know.
0: Well, I, you you stick to the things that you're most comfortable with, especially when you're working under deadlines. It's like, here's what I know I can do. I've got two weeks to do this score. This is what I'm going to build it on is my foundation, right? And then maybe you'll add one little thing or, or two little things that you're not comfortable with, but you're going to stick to basically what you know. But that's what I love about film is to to get a, a Western, which doesn't fit into the EDM world at all, unless it's it, it's nope. like a steampunk kind of thing. Um, right. It forces you to do things that you would never do. You would never have picked up an Irish you know, whistle of any kind uh, for any Tambourine. reason. Tambourine.
1: <laughs> I was sitting there tambourining the other day and I was like, this is, I mean, I've obviously I've used a tambourine, but not in the way I was using it. I was being very folky and shaking it. And, and it was, it worked. It was like, this, this is so cool. And I've never played in a band. So I immediately, I know this sounds crazy that I'm saying these things and I'm, I call myself a composer, but Hey, you know, it, they all come in different shapes and sizes. True. But, uh, I, I, um, I was playing this, you know, this, this tambourine. I'm like, I've never been in a band been on stage before this is kind of cool like I can see the adrenaline of like really playing along and you know you're adding some kind of dynamic to the sound and you get that whole live feel like I I feel like I've done everything backwards I'm starting to live the life of a composer in the in the Benjamin Button sense where I'm (laughs) doing everything in the studio and then eventually I'm going to broaden out to you know all these experiences with live shows and things that I should have had you know to begin with
0: well, maybe when the Renaissance Festival comes back, you can uh, you know get on stage with Dead Bob and play some tambourine.
1: Maybe you've seen me before. Maybe I've been there before. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. just saying, I look very much like the, the whip guy, the, the guy that's got the whip. <laughs> yeah, so same may, building, everything. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe it's me. Who knows?
0: But I do. I do love being pushed. I do love um, finding reasons to do things I would have never done on my own. And I think that's really what's great about film is that it it forces you into a direction that you just, you would have never driven down that street had you not gotten this film.
1: Yeah, and happy accidents. Um, A lot of the cues that I wrote are literally just that. I I sat there and doodled something. And uh, there's a guy on YouTube, um, I have to call him out, that I just, I find uh, just fascinating. From a a kind of perspective of dumbing it down for people, like me, who can't play an instrument or, or do... Um, do any type of um, you know l- traditional playing? There's a guy on um, YouTube by the name of Guy Macklemore I think. Micklemore,
0: I think I've seen him.
1: English composer, el- older gentleman, but fascinating. Like lots of energy, and reminds me of teachers I had at school. Actually, very like looks the same, sounds the same, but just engaging. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, I've watched more videos that he's done than anyone else because. He could. i can watch one of his films or his videos and immediately go straight to composing and write write a cue and in fact it was two of the videos i watched from him on how to how to basically layer a string note so you do your you know your seventh and a third up and it gives you this kind of nice this kind of chord and i like basic stuff right mm-hmm. and i watched it and i thought oh i'm gonna try that so i came in i literally played this one thing on this default thing and two hours later i had the cue Nice, and that was all because of that, and it was all a happy accident, so it's that that to me is is the most important thing is be willing to be different I know it sounds like really cheesy what I'm about to say, but like I said, the fact that I come from such a weird background to go into this kind of thing, it's exciting to explore it from those that perspective versus a traditional note perspective, you know classically trained what sure. in what in you know whatever.
0: I don't think that's cheesy. And, and I think any time that you shift your perspective, like when I started playing bass guitar, now I'm a drummer. I can play keyboards well enough to play what I write. Like I can play what's in my head. I couldn't join a cover band by any means.
1: Right. Um, I, I wouldn't. That's pass me. The audition. That's me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but when you change your perspective, you start seeing music a different way and you'll start writing a different way. You know, just like when you change your environment, if you were to start uh, taking your laptop and you go out onto the beach and you're writing cues versus writing them in your basement, you're going to write a different way. It's just a different perspective. Um, But I don't have any problem with you having never played in a band, calling yourself a composer because you create, you take a blank canvas and you create something out of that. Where I draw the line is people who use loops as their entire foundation of their song and call themselves composers.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I've not used one loop or any anything artificial other than the, the the each semitone note on the keyboard that I've played everything in myself. There's no there's no um epic drums or anything. It's literally me drumming, me yeah. strumming in some instances holding the key down because of the low bass note and then playing with the cutoff and everything. Like I I'm a firm believer in that as well uh, is that it's too easy now with these sample packs to make a hit record mm-hmm. or hit you know like some kind of thing but that's what challenges me about um you don't see sample packs really for cinematic stuff other than the the you know the, the big trailer cinematic things right you don't hear yeah. you know th- there are some things you can like some s- some stuff like absinthe and omnisphere that have things geared towards that but uh, you don't need the loops in my opinion learn how to and like back to this guy micklemore um i hope i'm getting his name right but he um he teaches all he teaches how to do all of that. It's it's so easy. Just it's like just do this, 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 this. And this this is a guy that's an award winning composer that basically is in a shed in the bottom of his garden, uh, not soundproofed in any way at all. And he's just doing it. He's just doing it. And there's so many Inhibitions, like back to the studio, I could use this as an excuse not to create. The fact that it's not ready, right? Yeah, you know what? It's it's like I said, I don't need it necessarily anymore. It's really because it's you know I have have clients that come and use it for various things, and I have to have some form of presentation because that's you know you don't want someone coming down to your basement and it looks like a, a derelict. You know, you kind of wonder—is this really the studio? You know, so. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, especially you know, in a in a basement in a town that doesn't have basements.
1: There you, <laughs> you go. Uh, yeah. Why did he dig this basement?
0: Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, I wonder if he's the same guy that I saw do uh, a walkthrough of the ninety-nine-dollar Audio Imperial Orchestra. That's the one. Yeah, he's that's fantastic.
1: Yep. yep, that's him. That's the guy. He he's just. I mean, it just it resonated with me, like in terms of like, because there's a lot of good teachers on YouTube, a lot of really good teachers, in fact. But none of it's really been like, oh, OK, this is kind of like a lesson. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. But it's a but guys like like a, is almost like an uncle that's like, OK, I'll show you how to do this. And it's, yeah. he's engaging. And I'm like, OK, this is this is amazing. So he he's over this three or four months when I, I discovered him about four months ago. And I hadn't written a thing for this movie at all. It was just we were still in discussions, actually, about what we were going to do. And 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 he, his videos single-handedly got me started just experimenting and just doing it. Mm-hmm. Forget about the rest. Just do it and, and see where it goes. So that's...
0: And he's so excited about what he's doing that it, it's yes. hard not to sit there and get excited with him. Like, he just Infectious. brings that out. Yeah. Where most of them you watch and they're like, Okay, what you want to do is you want to send this to your first master bus. and then yeah, you're going to You, you to got your, bus you got
1: wheel. your your bus 1 and make sure it's in the first channel of bus 1 because if you <laughs> if you don't do it in bus 1, then uh and if you go above 20%, then you're going to enhance the sound and and then you got to go back to guitar center and you, yeah, it's just It's it's like they took their bones out and
0: said, "Now go do your video. We'll give you your bones back when <laughs> you've when you've met the contract exactly, obligation, yeah. you know."
1: Well, it's all about and, and it goes back to like, you know, stuff at school, like you only, you really only learn things when your teacher was engaging and was different and you kind of inspired you. And I, I so true now for me personally is I can't I couldn't go to a lecture with a boring, you know, unless it was something I was absolutely fascinated about. I could not go and sit through something where the, the guy presenting it was just boring. Which is why I think we still have time for before AI really takes over because that human element, I mean, anyone can get access to a PDF for a lesson, but it's how you learn it, how you retain that knowledge. And for me, the way into my, my heart, but no, <laughs> into my brain is through, is through someone who's really engaging.
0: Well, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example that backs that up. When I was in fifth grade, I started in band. And I had my little drum pad and my Rubank Elementary Method book that, that every drummer starts out with in fifth grade. And I, yep. I loved it. And my instructor, uh, he was retiring that year. And so he said, I'm going to talk to your teacher because I really see some potential in you. I'm going to see if I can get you out of class for an hour twice a week so I can go through all the rudiments with you that, that you wouldn't learn until next year. And my teacher went for it. And so twice a week, I went to the office and I sat there with my drum pad. He taught me all the rudiments, which was amazing. And I'm so glad he did because the next year, the guy that took his spot was just God awful. He was aggressive. He was angry. you wanted to leave
1: the lesson. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I quit quit because I didn't want to, I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't excited anymore. You know,
1: that's, that's it. My, my daughter was in the photography class at school and she's, just been a photography nut for a while and, and about two months in she's really just didn't care for it anymore i said why she said oh, it's it's okay it's boring it's not what i thought it was but it could be you know what i mean it could be what you thought it was it's just this lame teacher that's really not got a heart in it and i'm not you know blaming the teacher she's got to teach what she's got to teach but you can make you can make it fun for the kids you know at least make it interesting
0: yeah, and make it fun for yourself. If you don't want to be there, then you've got to step up and do something to make it more enjoyable because
1: you're not going to get out of it. Absolutely, it can be as fun as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could take any subject you like, and you can make. All right, maybe not math. Maybe you can't make math fun. Let's just be frank and <laughs> honest with ourselves. <laughs>
0: Coming from but a musician. Can,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, so my wife talks bills with me or, or math. I just, I just zone out. I'm just oh, okay. You've lost me. You've lost me, but yeah, you, you can, you can take, I mean, learning that, you know, you want, as a drummer, you want to drum. You don't want to yeah. learn the things, but the fact that he was able to get you, um, you know, interested in, um, you know, in the rudiments of it, where it probably wouldn't have grabbed you otherwise. You know what I mean? Like you probably wouldn't have got what you've got had you not had that. So I, I, I agree 100%. Yeah,
0: and and it just goes to show if you're going to invest in a teacher, you know, it's one thing when you're in school and you have your one choice. I can either do it with this person or not do it at all. But when mm-hmm. you have the ability to do it outside of that, especially now, because you can do Zoom lessons with people, you can do, yeah. you know, you can do, uh, you know, like the master classes, uh, all yep. kinds of different avenues to learn. Pick somebody that's going to excite you.
1: Yeah, what we're doing right now could be a lesson. Mm -hmm. I mean, I we could literally, you know, stop recording this and start talking about some of the plugins I've got and say, hey, you know, Scott, check this one out. It does this, this, this. Oh, I don't know how I use that. Or okay, here we go. Or RX. You know, I'm not very good with RX. Mm -hmm. I know you're pretty a wizard at it. So get you get by as a wizard. I mean, you're you're a pretty (laughs) decent wizard. You're a conjurer <laughs> of magic with RX. So RX is for the, those, are, those, everyone knows what RX is in the film community, but it cleans audio. It's like a audio cleaner. Right. Yeah. I just reversed the words. That's all I did there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's, 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 Um. what was I talking about? We are talking about how everything tracked. could be a lesson. Yes. Every, yeah. But we could be doing it right now. Um, the technology's there. You're, you're absolutely and right.
0: And I think those theories can really expand into all facets of life. And and I always go back to, do you know the about the Seattle fish market? Um, no. So these people literally all day, all they do is work in a fish market. They're unloading fish off trucks. They're selling fish. They're wrapping fish up. Sucky job. But it's a very busy fish market. So what they've done is they've decided that they were going to make it fun. And there is a whole like a lot of businesses use this philosophy, it's called the fish philosophy, as to how they can make their work environment more enjoyable. And it's all about they play games, they they yell, they scream, they dance around, they interact with the customers, they just make it fun. Yeah. So if if you could take a crappy job in a in a just a smelly environment and it's you know, it's wet and, and stuff all the time. If you could kind of like that my fun,
1: basement, actually. Kind of yeah. like
0: kind of like Kevin's studio right now, <laughs> maybe yeah. less fish.
1: Less, <laughs> uh, I do like my fish down here. That's that's to be honest. Well, I, I do can't like see the whole down.
0: thing, so I and the and, yeah and it's, zoom it it's scratches. Uh, stuff, I yeah. mean,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet. No, I've had I've had actually, funnily enough, with, so my wife and I um, to take a detour quickly. Mm. My um, wife and I decided one of the one of the. F- the features of trying to get out of this rut that we're all going through is to try and get out once in a while, whether it's, you know, obviously social distancing as best as possible. Sure. But we went for a hike to Sedona, mm. which, um, hadn't been for a while and it was amazing, beautiful. We had a great hike, got there early, went to the the shops and anyone who's been to Sedona, um, it's got this really nice kind of new age type vibe about it. Um, and so I went in and I bought some, um, some of these uh, incense sticks. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that you light up and you just let it go. And I remember as a kid in my first, I said studio, it was my bedroom, but my first <laughs> studio, I would light and it, I just remember as I lit it, the smell coming back. It was just it reminded because I haven't used them since. You know, it's kind of a teenage thing. But I, I know studios, some studios use it, and it just it made the place kind of feel different. It was great. So yeah, this is a new thing. I am going to definitely preach the the benefits of uh, incense sticks for sure.
0: Now, I will say that if you've got a vocalist coming in uh, or somebody doing ADR, you might not want to use that as much, yes, just because it's going to point. dry out the room. Yep. Uh, but uh, it just like mood lighting, like a lot of people put LED light strips around the studio so that yep. they can change the mood. Um, incense yep. will do that too, because our our sense of smell is is very much like the visual. Anything that stimulates mood. Can be Correct.
1: Creativity. And, you know, I, I don't know anyone's stance on on marijuana, um, but it's, for me, it's, I find, not me personally, but I find I don't allow it in here just because of the equipment, but mm-hmm. anybody that, you know, has partaken before they've come into the studio, obviously advocating for Uber and anywhere else, you know, I'm not advocating for any kind of driving under the influence here, but if I find that those people, it unlocks a creative area for them and and that's another way that pe- you know people like to kind of enhance a, a way of creativity that maybe would make them think differently versus how they would normally do something
0: that's that's very true um i i've done some engineering sessions where they would go outside and get high and then come in and play for yes. a couple of hours and and that um right. but now of course you could do edibles
1: yes correct yep a lot of people do um i, I mean i i, I won't advocate for any one type but i obviously tell people if you can take it without smelling out the area down here then that, go for it
0: well yeah because you're you're in a basement in an enclosed area and that Correct. smell is pungent and does yes, not it go away easily
1: no no and, and it's very difficult to get it out so i want to make sure that you know it's if they're going to do that it's you know it's it's i'm not anti-marijuana by any sense but if it helps them great but Please don't smell out the uh, <laughs> the studio. Right. That's already having struggles with odors because it's. Uh, I'm just joking. It's not
0: well, and that's that's one thing. Like when I used to walk up and down the strip, was there's a lot of clouds of marijuana smoke, and, and oh, it, yeah. it is very. Yeah. Uh, I I hate that smell. I don't mind yeah. people doing it. Do what you want. You're not hurting anybody. But um, right. I I just hate being around that smell. I'm like, there are so many other options now. Yes. Y- you know. Yeah.
1: To- totally. I mean. Go exactly do do something that's not going to leave a a trace of of you know what you've just lit up in in here right but yeah it's 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 definitely you know i I, you know not to stay on the the subject of marijuana but i have to you know with the 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 mix of marijuana with like let's say hip-hop it's it's almost like a it's like having a what's the equivocal for for 80s rock it's like having hairspray yeah, it's like it's yeah. one and the same. If you if you aren't or or leopard skin pants or something like, if you don't have them on in the eighties and you're a, a a rock big hair rock star, you aren't a baby, big eighties <laughs> rock star. And so the the marijuana with the hip hop crowd that I I you you know use the studio. It's almost synonymous with it. And it's almost like they have this part of the culture of it. It's very interesting for me to to watch. But You,
0: you would almost think that when you buy a hip hop CD, they would spray it with something so that you get the experience <laughs> it, on the listener end, you yeah. know.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, but yeah.
0: I wanted to ask you, I uh you know, when I uh, I've got an album that actually comes out tomorrow as this is released on Wednesday, it comes out on Thursday. Oh, congrats. And so man. thanks. Um, you know, there's all the marketing and everything that goes on with it. And I don't typically yeah. watch movies very often, but I'll have them on while I'm doing non creative things. And yes. uh, the other night I had on Sucker Punch, which I've never mm. seen before. It's on Netflix it's right good, now.
1: Good movie. Yeah, it's it's uh, Zack Snyder, I think. Right? It
0: is, yeah. There are parts of that movie that are just so difficult to watch because of the whole, you know, oversexualization and the danger that yes. these, these women are in in the story. But man, right. that soundtrack was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's. I'm gonna have to remember again, but I think I, I think one of the tracks on there was one of my favorite bands, if I remember. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna check and see.
0: They did, was uh, on there because they did a version of uh, White Rabbit, which was yep. uh, okay. fantastic. Yep. Uh, Sweet dreams
1: are, are made of this. That's the one I'm thinking of. The Sweet Dreams remix. Yeah, White Rabbit. Um, if
0: if the credits read right, Emily Browning actually saying that.
1: Yes, correct. Which is yep. great. Sweet dreams, and it was very slow. Down. It was very because uh, this was what 2011. Yeah, yeah, 2011. So this was a very kind of still in the realm of 300. Um, you know, slow ultra slow 60 frames per second or 120 frames per second kind of real slow-mo action scenes type thing mm-hmm. and that was a whole thing i love that whole look that whole that whole stylized view um i'm actually really excited that Zack Snyder. i'm not a big marvel or dc fan at all yeah but i'm really excited zach snyder's coming to do his his own cut of the the batman the um the what's it called film was the it, uh,
0: uh, batman versus superman
1: no the uh the what's these DC superheroes um what's it called uh oh, I'm not I sure remember. it's it's basically like the avengers but DC's avengers right yeah um it's I can't believe I'm forgetting it but it's um su- no not suicide squad uh I'll think of it in a minute but I'm really excited because he he apparently he he's a very stylized um which I actually have a point to make about this I did want to talk about this so I'm glad we're on this oh good he did 300 too, didn't he he did yeah and he, he those so movies for me and i'll have a, the reason i wanted to bring this up is i saw a movie too, not too recently but it, i i just can't stop talking about it and I'll, I'll explain why in a second but it comes back to this whole stylized thing and like i i love when i go to the movies i want to see i want experiences i want to see something i've not maybe seen before and hear before at the same time sucker punch is one of those movies like 300 where i'm like oh man that's cool mm-hmm. you know these ninja these girls and going into this massive tall ninja and this big robot like it was a it was just cool and so i love anything like that and i um Zack snyder is a very um very big um proponent of that kind of stylized view he's almost a cinematographer as well as a director you know he he has the he doesn't just go to the cinematographer and say right i want this just kind of figure it out he's actually like there with the camera figuring it all out as well Right, because on. no
0: one could understand what he would be talking about unless That's true, he did it but,
1: himself. But unless he did it himself, but but it works. Like look at three hundred with some of the action setups that they did. Like right now, it's probably not as modern, but back then it was like groundbreaking. And so, um, the um, the the whole Zack Snyder thing brought me onto the the other point, which was so the movie I watched the other day was um, uh, the Elton John movie. Oh, okay. with uh, Taron Egerton. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. It was uh it was called um, why is my brain going to mush today, I know tell <laughs> me about it, so it was called Rocket man, oh yeah, so it was the uh rocket man movie um what told the story of kind of a very stylized un completely probably untrue, maybe some half truths and it was just completely embellished, mm-hmm. but that's what I wanted to see. I didn't care about Elton John's real life like i. I didn't care to sit through like a history channel thing on, on um rocket man. And I felt like I did what I, that did happen a little bit with we will rock you or the queen biopic one, mm-hmm. um, whatever that was called. I
0: think that's the, that's kind of the fear is how, how much of it would just be basically a documentary that looks like a movie versus a, a story.
1: Yeah. Based on yeah. like, and this it,
0: is the character that's based on somebody, you know, but it's not really him, but it's kind of him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but there's, there was just with with the with the we will rock you or again whatever the Queen ones called, mm-hmm. it just felt like it was it was a biopic and it was yeah there was drama and it was very movie like. But there was it was they're almost trying to pay too much attention to what did what t shirt was he wearing when he did that and oh. does does the actor look like Freddie Mercury? Does everyone look like their parts? And it was cool for its thing. But Rocket Man for me was like this sent this this attack on the senses mm-hmm. there were setups in this film where I I just felt it like I was like it looks cool it sounds cool and it's just something I've never really seen before and um, the the director Dexter Fletcher is a British director he he did a lot of um he, he's done a lot of TV work where he's very stylized in that and I, I love that I'm finding myself leaning towards directors that just will throw as much as they can at me, at my senses. Not Michael Bay-like, like explosions and stuff, because that's easy to do. Right. But something's just, it says something, it makes a statement that's new and it's engaging and it's like, you talk about it afterwards. So I say, go see Rocketman or, or see it on Amazon Prime or whatever, mm-hmm. you will not be disappointed.
0: I'll check that out. I That's how I felt about um, The Blair Witch when that came out. Um, because Mm -hmm. it was very unique the marketing was incredible but it wasn't it wasn't anything we had seen before it wasn't just another slasher horror movie and same with the human centipede there has never been any movie ever like that and that's that's very much the same for me i want i i've seen star wars i've watched the facts of life i've you know i i've experienced all these things growing up my senses are numb to that all now
1: yeah it's it's just not as cool as it was before like there was a when 300 came out there was a bunch of 300 type ripoffs like spartacus and right. you know all this kind of stuff which were cool mm-hmm. again the t- the tv show spartacus not the movie but the tv show spartacus was great for what it was mm-hmm. it was like um it was just there's just i don't know I, I i just like to be i guess my senses tingled by um something different cuz i just but you know, whenever we come up with
0: with something new, we have to run it into the ground, right? So you take that. Uh, totally. You know, yeah. the, when when Cher came out with uh, "Do You Believe in Life After believe, Love," believe, and
1: an Auto Tune, just yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. started
0: Difference. doing that. And then the same with that. Uh, you know, they would freeze frame, and then they would pan the camera around
1: everybody being frozen.
0: Uh, then that yep. was done to
1: the, death. The and, bullet and, time type thing, yeah. The, the 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 Matrix bullet time or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and so and as it, soon right. as there's
0: something new, everybody just gravit gravitates towards it, and then they do it to death, and then we have to find something ne- new to run into the ground. It's just it's like, like dubstep. A, yeah,
1: that, that sums dubstep up. <laughs> you know, it's a, this new fresh take on electronic genres that could have been there for a while and it just burnt out because everybody was doing it and it was just done to death and people just sick and tired of it
0: well it's like every time there's something new that gains any momentum people just see cash cow and i've got to get in before other people do and then you just get a yeah. flood of it you know
1: but there's part of that that's part of that is true yeah to be the first to do it um mm-hmm. and kind of break that ground be the one to break that ground
0: but that's that's the position like you got to be the guy that that creates it you can't be the follower. There's only going to be yeah. a handful of followers that are going to really cash in and then it's just going to
1: die. Right, right. You know? Agreed. Totally agree.
0: But I, before we go, I want to talk to you about uh, a project, because we didn't get to talk about this last time. I want to talk about the project that you and I did together, which I had so much fun with, uh, under the name of the Magic Cube.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. that's Well, that's still out there. That's um, yeah. yeah, you helped me record the vocals in that. That's right, I remember. Mm-hmm. And you did a vocal on it. That's I right. did a vocal oh, wow. on it, yeah. So yeah that's uh that's that's kind of my EDM cinematic side project that has been dormant for a while. I always get the urge to kind of I have two like alter ego, actually a three. That's, hang on, maybe there's four. I have a bunch <laughs> of alter I can never decide what mood I'm in at the time So whether it fits my you know angry EDM phase, then I'll put it under one kind of moniker. if it's a chilled kind of vibey thing it'll go under another and if it's kind of a hybrid of the two then it'll go under my london social club mm-hmm. moniker so there's there's a ton of stuff but yeah you helped me with the with the magic cube um uh legion i think it was called legion yeah because we did uh, we did the
0: adr sessions at my studio uh our, we did. our dear friend yep. sarah Lavelle came over and did her voice and uh it's it's really catchy stuff though you know it's really energetic really catchy but then it had some really good emotional parts in it i thought it was a really well-rounded ep
1: yeah yeah i'll look but so the name starfighter starfighter Again, that's right my yeah own, my own um my own stuff so it's a six track um ep that i did uh it was like this um back in 2013 it was this futuristic kind of like dystopian story and i wrote a whole kind of symphony ep on it and there's like some really, I'm really proud of some of the tracks. I, I will say as an engineer, I listen back and I'm like, oh, I could have so used that plugin <laughs> that I've got right now on this. Like, I, I wish I had it. That It's like DSs. I didn't own a DS at the time and there was some DSing that, that I think I would have preferred to do. But, you know, I, I may remaster it. That's an option as well. I could remaster it and put it out. But There you go. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, if I had uh instant dialogue cleaner by audio Namix, which I use on every podcast <laughs> now, like that would have taken me 10 yeah. seconds to export to you. And
1: I have to check that one out. That one, I hear a lot about that one. It's yeah. It's um, that will have to be on my shopping list because I, I've got all of the cool stuff, but that one I hear a lot. And, and I hear it from people that know their stuff. So there's, well, you know, like I, uh, here,
0: so. They, they were, uh, they're very nice people to work with. And, um, I uh they actually featured me at the Nam Show on their uh their big screen because I did a demo with them on uh, how I use it on my podcast, yeah. and so they were playing that at the Nam Show, which was really cool. Um oh, that's cool! But I did a a video series recently on how I do my podcast, and I did a, a video just on IDC, which is on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll then. Send me the link. I know I'm. I think I'm subscribed to you, but I, if not, I should be. I will be.
0: Yeah, I think I think for the ADR stuff, I think it's. uh, I'm sure you're getting a pretty clean sound out of the booth, but for any hiss, any anything like that, will just take it right out. It's amazing.
1: My issue is not so much. um, It's it's the age old problem of mixing it back in, like Mm. with with I I need to sit down and actually learn RX. And again, I don't want to get too geeky with what it does, but my my big issue is once I've got the nice, clean dialogue, it, it doesn't matter if you use the same mic again, you're never going to make it sound the same. Just it is what it is. That's right. So my key is how do I mix, you know, well, I know how to do it, but how to make it easier, I guess is my, my question is, I need to be able to mix in the tone with the dialogue that I've just recorded and then match it and it sounds like amazing. I know there's a new isotope product that does that, but it's, it's Pro Tools only.
0: Yeah, uh, actually RX can do it. Uh, they have what's called an EQ match. So what you yep. do is you put in a sample of what you want it to sound like, and it'll try and pick out those nuances, and then take the the new sample that you're trying to affect, and right. see what it to can make do it to sound match like the that. One.
1: That's probably what I need to play around with them because there is, um is I've done some of the cleaning. You know, I, and again, I've got a very old method of doing it. It's, it involves similar steps, mm-hmm. um but laying stuff over and mixing it in that kind of stuff. But there. You're right, there's more automated ways that make my life easier. So I probably need to get in on uh, how to do that.
0: It's worth playing around with and, and seeing, and it won't necessarily work in every application that you're trying, but if right. it helps with 50% of them, then you're just that much further yeah. ahead. But I'm not going to cry because that program is, not, is only available in Pro Tools because you Logic guys, you guys got Alchemy. And I am
1: so heartbroken over the fact
0: that I can't use
1: Alchemy anymore. Oh, Alchemy is great. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I, I, I love. I absolutely love. Um, what you know, I had Alchemy on the iPad. I was using it a lot for, um, for just getting sounds out on from the iPad. In fact, some of the sounds on that EP, my Magic Cube Starfighter EP, were from Alchemy on the oh. iPad. Oh, nice. So yeah, there's a track called Raptor, I think, that I used a sound off of that, um, and then one called Regalo Rye that I also used the lead line from from Alchemy on no the iPad. Kidding. Oh wow! So yeah, interesting enough. But yeah, it's a great thing. But I I'm, I'm almost spoiled now with um, obviously Omnisphere. I use that all the time, um, and predominantly not for synthesized stuff. But mostly it's their kind of weird Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross type sounds for those types of eerie, you know, stuff. But native instruments, that they always pull stuff out, um, and there's a ton of really good third-party libraries out there that, yeah, like Sound Iron, um, you know, uh, Piano Book, um, uh, uh, Spitfire Audio have their free labs range. There's just a ton of them that all sound amazing.
0: It's and and unfortunately, I'm on a high number of their mailing lists, and I just, I, I, I this is me during the day. I don't need that. I don't need that. Don't need that. Yeah, that's
1: a Don't need too,
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> and I like just try and delete it before I even read it.
1: I hate when sales come. Yeah. I'm like, oh I'm gonna get fifteen emails because I've got fifteen accounts with them because I had to to get uh, take advantage of oh, all of the different right. Yeah, yeah, that's how they get yeah. You. So it's but yeah, and we're gonna fun. have
0: to do uh maybe we'll do this uh sometime before Christmas. We'll do like our top five plugins
1: each. I'd love to do that because I have. I, let's okay. Let's do let's do a touch base on our top two. What's well, your top well, two? I'll, plugins? I'll say
0: we have to do that as a video. Like we have to actually record and release oh, that as okay. a video, and though, so sh- we can do the on screen. Here's what the plug. is. Well, let's do a, pre,
1: like. a precursor for that yeah. particular show with a top two, just verbally confirming, like talking of what it is and what why you it's your top two and why you love it.
0: Okay, you can uh, go first. Uh, I'm going to start with my top one, and it's obvious because I said okay. it already. Uh, uh, IDC by AudioNamics, the Instant Dialogue Cleaner. I use it on yep. so much. Uh, I would have to say my second one is probably
1: Bass Rider because... Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, Bass Rider. Yes, I do, I do know that one.
0: Because I'm a very novice bass player, and uh, and I just realized the mistake that I was making using round wound instead of flat wound strings for for the way I play. Um, yeah. so my my volumes are very inconsistent because i'm such a, a a beginner player and so with bass rider you can just take it and smooth all that out so that it's I've, I've you know
1: i've got vocal rider and i'll I'll use it um sparingly on certain things but typically i i mean i i don't do i mean i'll let the automation write and then i'll print it and i'm done like that's yeah typically it helps me you know get into that spot so mm-hmm. what's your second favorite then
0: uh well that was the second um but I'll oh uh, sorry
1: third 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 I'm sorry see I told you math is not fun right math no, is fun there's too many people. numbers
0: um exactly. there's uh it, it's kind of cheating because it's a it's a Cakewalk plugin that's exclusive to uh, Cakewalk owners that uh, that yeah. came before BandLab bought them and it's just they're are a series of plugins called Sonata Sonata's and they're you know Ooh. basic compressor basic uh, EQ basic limiter but I use them all the time because they're just
1: I just dial it up and go. Love it. Yeah. Love how, it. How about you? So I would say my number one, and it's pre- predominantly because of um, the dialogue side of things and cleaning and stuff. Um, I use a this um, amazing plugin called Soothe. I've heard of that. Which is a, yeah, it's, there's, there's Soothe 2, which is the new one. But it's literally a plugin that you put on a vocal chain. Let's say you've got some sibilance build up or some just not very nice frequencies. That just instead of cutting on the EQ, you put this. Uh, it's very similar to BX Refinement if you if mm-hmm. you know what Refinement is. It's a again sa- it does the same thing. It just looks at harsh frequencies on the typical range, assesses what they are, and then it just dips. And and, it, and I literally right. just put the plugin on and leave it, and it takes away all of that harshness. All that digital harsh harshness on on recorded audio, not that I record here, but that's recorded in other places. That when I'm mixing, I'll de-harsh it using Soothe. Mm-hmm. That for me is is it's a it's just such a time waste. It's waste time saver. <laughs> so Soothe two is my number one right now. My second, oh, that's hard because there's so. I mean, God, we will have to wait for the top ten maybe. But I I'd say right now it's probably um, uh, Echo Boy by Sound Toys.
0: Mm. That is a cool plugin.
1: It's amazing. It's got some really cool algorithms and delays and stuff that I um I used the other day actually on a gunshot sound effect. I had to emulate, a, you know, a or sorry, an echo in a valley. Mm-hmm. Um so I used it to kind of help create that. Um but I also used design a delay designer from Logic, which is another stock plugin, but this just dude, there's we're spoiled. I know everyone says it, but there are so many cool plugins out there that you know, we, we, we don't want for anything nowadays, really.
0: Well, I, yeah, that's true. And uh, and we talked about this last time, how we just keep buying them anyway. But <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I, I did something very similar to you when you uh, rearranged your studio. You said, you know, I don't really need this rat gear anymore. I don't really do this. This I can put away because I don't need it right now. When I moved, uh, I, I did kind of the same thing that you did. I looked at all this equipment that I'm that I have that I've been dragging around. I'm like, what do I really need? So, you know, I can mm-hmm. get rid of my outboard EQ. I can get rid of my outboard uh, 16-channel mixer. I just got a little 6-channel Mackie um, just just for recording yeah. keyboards and Onyx stuff.
1: Onyx or Xenix. Everything yeah.
0: else plugs directly into my audio interface now. So I can start getting rid of all this stuff. I don't need to lug it around anymore. Why do I have it?
1: Ge- Gear Sluts is full of old middle-aged men that are pissed off at the youth who have their laptops <laughs> Because the youth have spent maybe five percent of the total cost on equipment that the older people do, and don't have to sit there justifying why they've got this big, you know, API forty-eight channel mixer that's essentially a coffee stand, right? Um, you know, and, and I see that a lot. And don't get me wrong, it looks cool as shit to have. Uh, excuse my French. <gasps> um, it looks, it looks. Co- oh, no. can, can we complete that one, please? <laughs> right. um, but um, if we have, um, you know, you have this really nice desk um and then all this outboard it looks great all these lights sure. like chris log algie's studio like it looks amazing yeah but i bet he doesn't use it all it's all it, and what the 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 you know a lot of people go there because it looks good you mm-hmm. know that's honestly that's what it is that so yeah i i um you should always spring clean where you need to like there's there's definitely it doesn't having all that stuff will just give me a, a headache you know because i know i've got to patch it and i need a patch bay and then If I get a patch bay, then do I, should I be getting the Nutrix cables or, or the bet? You know, it's like, no, it's just simplified. No one's writing music. They're too busy rewiring studios. And that's not what this is about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you can't really do a video on that anyway, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, it's one of those things where you have to go, is there something I need this for? Like I have a a Sony DPS uh, V55 effects rack that I got. Yep almost right when it came out because it was the brand new technology. It was amazing. And I'm keeping it for one effect I need on a vocal track when I re-release a song. Yep. And as soon as I've done that's that, it. I don't need it anymore.
1: And and that's the thing, but I I will tell you that as incomes rise in the middle class, you know, music's not a cheap hobby. Um, no. Being a studio owner is not cheap by any means. And we're forever in debt. Um, so don't get into it. If you think there's money to be because there really isn't. But, um, you know, a lot of this gear that was twenty years ago was just digital. You know, it's a digital Yamaha thing or whatever um, that no one wanted. And now people are looking for that digital sound again. It mm-hmm. comes back in fashion. They they're paying four, five, six times over the odds for something that I gave away for fifty bucks. You know, ten years ago. Right. Yeah. Like the the, the Korg the Korg um, the Korg Prophecy, which was a keyboard in the nineties that came out. I always wanted one. Just, just wanted this synth. As a really, really wanted this. Saved up, saved up. Never ended up buying it. Really regretted it. So I went to go buy one. I'm thinking they're probably pretty cheap. Some dude wanted like $1,500 for it, and it was a $400 synth, you know. And because people, because it's, it's rare like the old cars. Because it well, because it's rare, but also guys like me, um, who couldn't afford it when they were younger, can now probably afford it, mm-hmm. and so it's driven the price up. So. But this has nothing to do with being able to make music and finish music. This is purely to because we get bored and we want to maybe we want a nice shiny synth in the corner. We'll probably never use it for maybe one note, just like your Sony example. Right. But by heck, it'd look good in the corner. You know, so so we're (laughs) spending money on. Well, and
0: and to further that point, uh, at least three times a year, I look at Native Instruments and I look at those wonderful little, uh, like the track pads and stuff that they have that can do all mm-hmm. these different colors and they really look yep. cool. And I'm like... I own two of them.
1: We'll see. And then,
0: Actually, sorry, I own four of them. Four of them. But I yeah. cannot justify purchasing one because I would never use it for anything. I just want it because it looks cool.
1: I started buying it because i wanted it because it looked cool then i was like this is just an extravagance that i don't need to have and then i was like you know what no if i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna learn it so i did i figured out what i'm not great with it but i'll i figured out how to do what i need to make the keys correspond with the certain things and it's a bit of a pain in the butt if i'm honest it really is Mm -hmm. and not everything works out the box with it but yeah, I mean, I figured if I'm going to do that, um, I'll have um, I'll have to learn it because the great thing about getting rid of a bunch of equipment is you have a much smaller selection, and so you should learn it because you should have you should know five pieces very well versus have twenty pieces and only know five percent of them well. You know, very so true. It's kind of what you should we should do. And
0: for most people, that's going to be contact play.
1: (laughs) Yep. You know, that's it. Those are going to be basically along their, their five pieces of gear. Precisely. I agree. Contact is always up there for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's really like, it's, it's the foundation of just about everything now. so many people release libraries on it, whether they're part of the official, you know, you can add them into the main port or you have to go through the the files.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: but I mean, it's, it's an endless amount of things that are available for it. And, And honestly, of all the purchases I've made, that has to be one of the best.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Native Instruments Complete was, by and large, probably the best investment outside of the computer and Logic and those things because it has everything in it and and yeah. and it's decent. Most of it's decent.
0: Do you do the uh, the ultimate upgrade every
1: year? Not every year. I haven't done it. I think I own nine or eight. I think I haven't updated it since then. Okay. Um, but I probably I was waiting to eleven. I think it's up to eleven now, isn't it? Uh, Twelve. Oh, so I'm I own ten. That's what I own. I own oh, okay. ten for sure. So you would still get um, so the I'm a couple of versions. Yeah, I still get the upgrade price. Um, and it is ultimate, so I can get the ultimate package.
0: Right. Here's the funny thing I, I realized last night is that I have five different bass guitars and only really one playable
1: regular guitar in contact in <laughs> ultimate and i'm
0: like that. that really seems in un, out of balance to me
1: it is a little bit i'll be honest is i have a couple of the strum ones that are pretty good i mean then mm-hmm. you could tell they're you know they're um not authentic but if you put them underneath something just to give it that rhythm it's it you can't tell you really i mean they're real instruments that there's not synthesized in any way other than it's you know recorded
0: right well, I just did a, uh, I did a masterclass with Steve Morse, the guitar player from Deep Purple and Dixie Drags and, and all that. I just did that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we were talking about one of the things that, that he plays in a song called uh, Birds of Prey, where he's doing these very long sustained notes. And he said, well, I really can't sustain a note that long on my guitar. So what I do is I actually just hit it again, but I do it on the kick or on the snare where that so you strike don't hear the gets twang. Buried. Yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. Yep, yep. I've, and I I've watched similar... Things with uh, orchestral samples where sometimes the clat that the 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 gong or whatever the the cymbals or whatever mm-hmm. you actually position them just slightly ahead of the clip the the the, the, the a kick drum or or the hit or the downbeat mm-hmm. um, because it just it gives that chance to really hit properly so if you have it on the grid exactly lined up with a kick drum it, it doesn't have as much impact as if it was just offset slightly to the left by a few few notches and it it does work so oh yeah sure. it's
0: it's one of the only percussion things i absolutely never quantize because it it will lock it into the wrong position you you have to just move it where it feels right
1: yeah for sure yeah. oh yeah you have to otherwise it you know you got to get that human feel back in
0: so what's uh so uh do they have a what's your time frame on the film that you're working on now the western
1: so we are obviously deep in post-production we hopefully delivery of sound is going to happen sometime in the next couple of weeks, mm. um, maybe up to a month um, because of just, you know, being aggressive with it. Uh, if I can get the pieces I want recorded, that's really open to um, to changing the timelines. If I can't get the session musicians I want to come in right. um, on the time I need them, then then it will delay it because I won't do the score without the pieces I need. I mean, I it's there, all the cues I've written are around having layers of real instruments above it. Otherwise it just sounds like a skeleton cue and it's not going to sound right. So yeah, yeah, I'd say probably three weeks to four weeks at the very most, it will be handed in. And then as to when it will be available, we don't know. Um, And we're hoping that there'll be a a video on demand. We we do have an offer to do a a theater run, a limited theater run. And I think 50 theaters um, in a couple of States, but unfortunately theaters are closed. So that is really (laughs) an agreement that is worth nothing at this point. So like everything we just got to wait and see what happens with this um this this virus and if things you know clean up a bit better we'll we'll have it out there but yeah the trailer is out there and i think there'll be another trailer coming soon we did two trailers so one slightly longer um and one shorter but we've got to also wait for these um pickups on these actors because we haven't been able to shoot anything with these actors yet because they're sag
0: right uh, yeah yeah, and I'll We're put the, uh, the link to the trailer in the show notes, too, because it's uh, it's definitely worth taking some time to watch. Like I said, the cinematography is beautiful. I love the music that you wrote for the trailer. I'm not a big Western fan by any stretch of the imagination. I could, I could never watch another Western again and be happy. But I <laughs> want to see this film because it really looks like they did a, such a good job making the trailer interesting instead of just saying you know here's the three hits we need to put action on and here's when we need to have the love story and they didn't follow that formula they just said this is a good story
1: he cut it to the track i wrote so that that trailer piece um he 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 gave me a rough cut and then i wrote the song and he kind of tidied it up along with what i did okay yeah it was it was really supposed to be unconventional more traditional in the sense not not this kind of like you know, typical stuff you see, whether you cut to black and it stays on black for three seconds. And, you know, there are some of that because, of course, that's the modern thing. But not as much as some of these other uh, movies have. But yeah, I mean, I'd love people to, you know, keep on top of when it's coming out. We're going to, we'll be proud of it. It'll be, it's a lot of work right now. We're in the, you know, we're in the period of where we hate it. And we just don't want nothing to do with it because it's just taken up every waking minute. But yeah. when it is done, I think it'll be something we'll be proud of. So
0: I think so. I get that way with every project I do. I mean, by the time that I'm done with the writing phase, I don't want to mix it because I'm sick of hearing those yeah. songs. You know, and then, uh, then you got to mix it and then you yeah. got to master it. It just there's, it's endless until you're
1: done. It's endless until you're done. And you're the only one doing it. And you've got your self-doubt and the critique and all this stuff that comes with it. So, yeah, it's again, ladies and gents, don't get into this as a profession. You will not. <laughs> Yeah. Be happy. I'm just joking. Of course,
0: You've got to be passionate about this. If you're willing to put up with all the things that we put up with to do what we do, there's got to be some strong passion that keeps you doing it. Otherwise, you could take that money, pay cash for a house,
1: you know? Totally. Oh, easy. Twice over at this point, I think. Yeah. I've got Uh, to run as well. So I will... um, I will, uh, this has been great. Let's do a touch base every couple of months. This is, yeah. I'd um, love to.
0: It's always great to talk to you. It's, uh, it's good to see you guys are uh, up and running and that you're able to proceed with the film during all of this insanity.
1: I, I, not through choice, I think, but it does show that you can find an excuse to not do anything. And this just teaches you that, you know, really it's your own, your your own worst enemy when it comes to having the, the fortitude to go and do something. And, that's that's what I'm learning. I'll,
0: I'll wrap it up with this. I think that this whole thing is an opportunity to find out who we are as individuals. You could be the kind of individual that just complains about not being able to go outside. Yes. I miss this. Yep. I miss that. Or you could be the kind of person that says, you know what, I've always wanted to learn baking. This is a great yes. time to take some classes and learn how to that do it. That is
1: exactly how people should be looking at this, is there's too much air. It's it's comfortable to feel, to join the, the choruses of despair isn't it Mm -hmm. it's easy to do that but it's harder to turn it around and go against the grain so you know what I'm going to use this for for positivity and it comes all the way back full circle to that point I made in the very beginning about organization about I'm very poor at organizing but I'm learning to be good because getting stuff done is all about organization absolutely You can't have one without the other. Well,
0: keep us posted on the score. Good luck on the film. Uh, Thanks so much for taking some time to to hang out and and talk again. It's always a pleasure, my friend. You got it. Thanks, Scott. You bet. What a great guy. You know, he's got such a great outlook on things. He's definitely got a, a good grip on life. And I think he takes advantage of great opportunities that are afforded to us. And and he's right. You know, this is a time that we should be looking at what we can do to better ourselves, to better our position, to increase our knowledge, our skills, uh, you can sit here and complain about what you don't have, or you can enjoy all these wonderful things that we do have at our fingertips, which is always my suggestion. So thank you guys for uh, listening to another episode of the Hasking Cast podcast. I will be back next week with another lovely guest, and I wish you guys a safe and wonderful time. Take care, and we'll see you soon.